Ah, we're so glad you're here today. Thank you for coming to church. Um, before, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We are due to uh, the restrictions uh, that we work under here. We, we don't have a lot of time to uh, do preliminaries uh, because we've got to clean the sanctuary. Um, if you're watching us at home and are scared to come to church because of the crowds, let, let me let you know that, that between services, before service and between services, uh, a professional company comes in here and cleans uh, the restrooms, they clean the, the facility, they fumigate everything in here with a special spray. Of course, we believe the righteous. Uh, the anointing of the righteous will get rid of all the devils. The company can't get rid of the devils. Uh, the praise and worship gets rid of the devils. Uh, so you don't have to worry about the devil. But if you're concerned about germs, we got that taken care of too, all right? So we encourage you to join us. Uh, so as soon as this service is over with, we uh, move real quickly and bring this company in every Sunday and, and take care of that. I just uh, want to thank all of our team who worked at VBS this week. And a special thanks to Pastor Liz, our children's pastor, and Jennifer Green, our director of Vacation Bible School. And every night we had close to 90 volunteers, Sunday through Thursday night. In fact, Thursday night, usually by Thursday night, everybody's tired, forget children, we don't like children. Why did God create children? And uh, But we had more volunteers. We had over 100 volunteers Thursday night. And here's the wonderful thing about it. We almost had, we averaged almost 100 children each night in the middle of COVID. Uh, 100, 100 children came each night. And 44 people, 37 children and 5 adults accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior this week. Amen. And that just makes it worth it all. And your giving, your giving made that possible. Everybody came free. Nothing was, we fed them. We had games. We had activities. This facility was open. Nobody got paid for what they did. Nobody charged us anything. Everybody came and received of the Lord because of your faithfulness to give. We're not taking up offerings now. They tell us we can't pass the buckets. Um, so we can't pass the buckets. But we've got the buckets at the door when you leave and an armed guard there making you give. All right? So and that's not true. I'm just kidding. I, please, if I offended anybody, please forgive me. I, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I was just kidding. Just joking. Okay? Just joking. We have buckets at the door when you exit. We also have other ways to give. You can give online here at Family Worship Center. Your giving is making it possible. Our uh, budget for VBS was about 10, between ten dollars and $12,000. And no offerings were taken for that. That just come out of the general fund. And you helped us meet that. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Let us hold tightly 
the, the writer of Hebrews is instructing Christians. He's not talking to the sinners. He's not talking to ungodly people. He's talking to Christians, people who follow Christ. He says, hold tightly. Now, if he tells you to hold tightly, that lets you know that there's some things that have come against your life to cause you to let go of your grip. Okay? He said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I've had some people to make me promises over the years and haven't followed through. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? But God can be trusted to keep his promise. Look at verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. Verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. On Sunday mornings, I've been teaching on the topic of seven reasons why I need a church family during COVID. And the writer here is talking to Christians during a very difficult time. It's a time of persecution for the church. It's a time of of difficulty. It's a time when the church is not looked at with favor. And he's, he's giving them instructions. He's reminding them to hold on. Hold on to your faith. And then he says, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this turbulent situation in which we're living in, in the midst in which persecution could happen in any moment, he says, now is not the time to exit or go into hiding. He said, let us motivate one another to make sure we come together as a body of believers. The context of this verse is for believers in Christ to think of ways to motivate one another to be passionate about their faith. To be passionate about their church and to be passionate about serving their community. Can I, can I just share with you my heart just a moment here? I've been shocked by the actions of many Christians during this pandemic concerning their lack of commitment to their local church. Now, I refuse to condemn or fuss at Christians who are unfaithful to attend church. I've never done that. Often you will see ministers using their sermons to fuss at people for not attending church. And the people they are fussing at are the ones attending church. That doesn't make any sense. They need to go on live stream and say, Now, if you come to church, don't pay any attention. You turn this off. Now, all you people who don't come to church, let me fuss at you a while. That's really what they need to do. We don't need to spend our time fussing at people who are sitting in church for not coming to church. The writer of Hebrews says to think of ways to motivate one another. To encourage one another. Uh, I've learned over the years that condemnation is a poor motivator toward good works. It might get something, it might get people to agree with you at that moment if you make them feel bad enough, but it's not a motivation for good works for the long haul. That's the reason I'm sharing with you on seven reasons why we need a church family. I'm not going to ever get up here and say, you need to go to church. Why? Well, you just need to go to church. You know better. You need to go to church. That's not a good reason. You know, we need to eat broccoli every day, but I know we need to, but 
That's not a good reason. We don't need Andes all the time. I know we don't need it, but that's not a good reason. All right? So, understand, he says, find ways to motivate people. Make people want to come to church. Make people, give them a desire. Create within people a desire to come to the house of God and be with their church family. So that's why I'm teaching this. Because we're in a time where people are using COVID as a legitimate excuse to stay away. So I want to encourage you. The Bible says there's coming a day when it's going to get difficult. And it's during that season that we need to motivate one another, encourage one another to hang in here together. Don't forsake it, but hang in here together. See, if our heart is to please the Lord and be obedient to His Word, then we should examine ourselves concerning our motives during this season of time. Many people, many Christians work in crowds daily, but then they use the excuse, we've got to stay away from crowds, and they don't come to church. Many Christians, I see it, post on social media about going places, sporting events and restaurants. There are always a lot of people there, yet we say we're scared to come to church because of the crowds. And as pastor, I just want to encourage you to examine your motivation. I'm not fussing at you. Just examine your motivation. The Word of God tells us that in the last days, Christians will neglect gatherings. They'll neglect it in the last days. And he says that's, it's not many times, it's not a legitimate reason, but it's a sign of being deceived. Listen, when we go and do other things, but neglect our church, it does not speak of our desire to stay healthy. It speaks of our falling prey to a deceptive spirit that was prophesied would consume Christians in the last days. See, when we go do other things, but then use the excuse we can't come to church because of the crowds, it doesn't speak of our desire to stay healthy. It speaks of our falling prey to a deceptive spirit that the Spirit of God, through the writer of Hebrews, says is going to happen in these last days. And I've shared with you over the last several months, we are living in a time in which the Bible calls perilous days. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. How many brought your Bible? You have it on your phone, you have it iPad, you have it in print. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Notice what Paul says to Timothy. He's talking to the young pastor. He's coaching a young pastor. And notice what Paul says to young Timothy. Timothy's pastor at the church at Ephesus. And notice what Paul says to him. But this note, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days. That word last means the last of the last. It, it's, it's the word last of the last. It's talking about a season. It's talking about a specific period of time. Now, l- let me go back and just give you a little uh, history here. Remember on the day of Pentecost, um, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. How many, I remember many remember that in Acts chapter 2. I'm not asking if you were there. I'm saying how many of you, how, how many have read that story in the Bible, all right? Well, the, the, 
so they, they, all these people get filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit or the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that these people started speaking in languages supernaturally that they had never learned. Okay? And when that started happening, word spread immediately all over the city of Jerusalem and people by the hundreds came just to see what was taking place. And they begin asking questions. What is this? What's happening to these people? What's happening to this people? And the apostle Peter gets up and he starts preaching to them. And he says, you want to know what's happening? Let me tell you what's happening. The prophet Joel prophesied 700 years ago that in the last days. Everybody say the last days. The last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. This is that. This is what's happening. Now listen to what Peter said. Joel prophesied that in the last days, God was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He says, this is that. So Peter identifies the beginning of the time frame in the Bible known as the last days. Now this word last, that Paul, is the word that means the last of the last. So the, so this time period, known as the last days, it started on the day of Pentecost, and Peter and Paul now tells Timothy, now at the end of those last days, at the last of the last, toward the culmination, when this thing all wraps up, he says, understand, the days are going to get really perilous. That word perilous literally means difficult, hard to bear, treacherous. We could literally interpret it to say, in the last days, difficult, dangerous times are coming. Dangerous, difficult times are coming. And you see it on your TVs. You see it. Our children are watching the actions of the lawless and listening to the cries of the angry and the rebellious. And without strong local churches... There is no rebuttal to the anger. There is no truth to contradict the deception. And there is no justice against the lawless. Let me tell you, we need the strong local church right now more than any other time. So this is not the time. This is not the time for the Christians to fade away. This is the time to encourage one another. Come on, we're going to church. Come on, let's get together. Well, you know, I just... Come on, come on. This is not the time. And, and the writer says, encourage one another. Motivate one another to really press in during this time. He says, because some are going to neglect it. They're going to fall away from it. They're going to walk away. He said, some Christians are going to do that. He says, this is not the time. And I don't want you to be one of them. And I'm not going to be one of them. So I've been teaching you on reasons why you need your local church during COVID. Last week I shared with you, number one, in my local church I experienced the special presence of Jesus with my church family. There's just something about coming together and worshiping that the presence of Jesus comes in a special way and ministers to it. Matthew chapter 18, look at Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. If you're watching us all over the world today, we want to encourage you to follow along with us on the Bible. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. 
It says this, For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, Jesus said, I am there. I am there. Jesus says it only takes two or three. But when a crowd gets together in my name, I am there among them. Throughout the Bible, when people got together to worship, unique things happened. From the Old Testament to the glory of God appearing, to the priest couldn't even stand to minister, to the New Testament where they're filled with the Holy Spirit, to people getting saved, bodies being healed, devils being delivered out of people, dead being raised. It's just amazing what happens when the family of God comes together to worship Why does it happen that way? Because the special presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am there. It's called the corporate presence of God. Yes, I spend time with the Lord every day in my private devotions. And it's wonderful and great, and you need to do that as well. And I encourage you to do that. But there's nothing that compares to getting with the family and us all worshiping and focusing our attention upon Him. He will come and manifest Himself and show Himself strong in our behalf. I've sat in church services, just sat there as a listener, as not as a preacher, not as anything to do with, just attended. Amanda and I will attend church services from time to time in other cities, and we'll just sit there. We'll slip in. Nobody knows us. Nobody knows who we are. We just slip in and sit just to receive. And every time, God does something special for us. Just being there. Just being there. Now, the preacher usually doesn't do as good as I normally hear, but just being there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am joking. I'm joking. All right? Just being there. So in my local church, I experienced the special presence of Jesus with my church family. Number two, why do I need the local church during this time? Why do I need to be faithful to my church? In my local church, I find a consistency of teaching and preaching that makes disciples. Listen. Businesses might have shut down. Uh, Sporting events might have shut down. Nursing homes might have closed. Hospitals might have closed their doors to outsiders. Companies might have gone bankrupt. The government might have stopped things and closed parks and done a lot of stuff like that. But God didn't shut down. And he doesn't expect us to stop growing and maturing and making disciples just because COVID hit. It's in the local church that disciples are taught and made. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. That was on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000. And notice the first thing that people did once they got born again. Once they received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Once as lost people became found. Once as bound people got free. Once that uh, unsaved people got saved. Notice the first thing they did. Verse 42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're never comes a time in the world where the teaching of Jesus Christ is no longer needed as long as as people are alive. 
Look at Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said this right before he ascended into heaven. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Go and make disciples. Disciples, followers. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teach. Everybody say teach. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. When we gather as a body of believers and hear the word of God taught by the pastor or the, or the person who is teaching, several things will take place in our life. Why do we come together? We come to, why do we come together every Sunday or every Saturday or whenever we come together? Just to, to check our mark, to try to get to heaven, to make God pleased with us? No, no. He's pleased with us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything we do. He, he, he can't love you anymore than he already loves you. You, can't, you and I can't do anything to make him love us anymore. He already loves us with a perfect love. So then why do we need to go to church? We go to church so that we can mature spiritually. And when we come and hear the word of God taught, a few things happen. Number one, our faith is increased. Our faith is increased. How many of you believe, with, as I believe, that in these days we're living and in the days to come, we need our faith increased? This is definitely not the time to go backward in faith. This is the time to have our faith increased. Look what it says, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse number 17. I love this verse of Scripture. Amanda and I uh, grabbed hold of this verse. We heard this verse uh, with revelation, a revelation power back many years ago. And look what it says. Romans chapter 10. Paul's talking to the Christians at Rome. And notice what he says. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Notice the faith first. Now, we've heard that all of our life. We've heard that if you've been in church world. But look what the Scripture says. Dissect it. Let's unpack it just for a second. Notice what he says. So then faith comes by hearing. Notice the Bible says faith comes. Faith comes. You just don't have it automatically. It comes. Well, I got saved and I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. You might... Go to heaven, and you, you, you've accepted Christ, you'll go to heaven and live forever in eternity. But without faith, you're going to live in hell every day you live on earth. And I, I want to go to heaven, and I'm looking forward to going to heaven, but I want to live in a little heaven on earth. So just because you got saved and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean you and I do not have a responsibility or a need in our life to increase our faith. Faith, so then faith comes. Faith comes. All right? So when we gather together and a God-anointed pastor teaches the Word of God, something happens according to the Word of God. Faith comes. Your faith increases. Now notice what it says, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, here's what's important to understand. The Bible in the New Testament uses two Greek words for the word, word. The Bible uses two Greek words, two, two, not four, two Greek words for the word, W-O-R-D. 
One word is the word logos, L-O-G-O-S, and it literally means the written word of God, your Bible. Hebrews 4.12, for the word logos, your Bible, is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That's one word. But this word here that we just read, Romans 10, is not the word logos. It's the word rhema. It's the word rhema. The word is the word rhema, which means that which is spoken at that moment. Now, here's what's important. The Bible says when we gather together and hear the Word of God taught, faith will come. But not only that, we will get a, receive a right now word for our life at that moment. How many times, how many times have you been doing your Bible devotions and you've read your allotted chapters and later in the day, you know, you just read it, you did what you were supposed to do, you read your chapters for that day, you had your devotion, it was good and it was great, but later in the day, you can't even remember what you read. Anybody beside me? I just, sometimes I read it and I say, well, that was wonderful, hallelujah, I'm I'm glad they cut four bulls' necks, and I'm, I'm glad they slayed four turtle doves, and hallelujah to God. I'm going hunting this afternoon. I mean, that's about all you get out of it some days. But how many times have you come to church, and you've sat, and you would have thought after hearing that preacher preach that he was reading your mail? He hit it right where you were living. See, that was a rhema word. That was a gift of the Spirit, God using supernaturally the pastor to speak a present right now word that you needed in your life for right now. And you can't get that if you jump from church to church or if you just choose to go two or three times a year. I know Christians, bless their heart, they just go from church to church looking for a word from God. So what they're doing is they're playing spiritual roulette. Hoping that the church they show up at and the person who's speaking hits their number that day. And I want you to know that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. You get involved in a good local church where the pastor and the ministers teach the Word of God, I guarantee you, more than likely, most of the time, God will have something for you that you're going through and that you can use this coming week, a special word from God. And the second thing that happens when we come together and hear the Word of God taught, it renews our minds. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Holy Spirit equips and anoints the pastor to minister God's word in such a way that it will take deep root in your heart and mind. Godly Biblical preaching and teaching 
uproots worldly thinking and replaces wrong and destructive thoughts with the inspired revelation of God's Word. In my local church, I find a consistency of teaching and preaching that makes disciples. And that consistent disciple-making teaching causes our faith to increase. It renews our mind. And let me say this. It corrects and protects us. It corrects and protects us. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. I like what the Amplified says. It, Paul's talking. He's coaching young Timothy. And listen to what he says to the young pastor. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word as an official messenger. Did you know your pastor is an official messenger from God? Preach the word. Be ready when the time is right. And even when it is not, keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcomed or unwelcome. Correct. Who? Listen to what he says the pastor's job is to correct those who err in doctrine or behavior, warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. I wished he hadn't put that last phrase in there. Inexhaustible patience. He's not talking to you. He's talking to us, preachers. You got to do it and do it and do it and never stop doing it whether they listen or not. You've got to do it. The pastor and the local church have the responsibility to correct and protect the congregation. Why do I need to be a part of a church family during COVID? It's because the Bible says in the last days there's going to be many deceivers coming into the world. And you need to be at a safe place where the word is taught correctly. And here's something I've learned. Correct Bible teaching will make us feel uncomfortable at times. Correct Bible teaching will make us feel uncomfortable at times. Sometimes it's not, it doesn't make you feel real good. Especially when it starts rubbing some places that you've allowed the world to cake up on you. And when the Word of God is taught, it starts rubbing you. And rubbing that stuff off. That's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. I'm not going there because I want you to go back next, come back next week. Okay, let, let me. Seven reasons I need a church family during COVID. In my local church, I experienced the special presence of Jesus with my church family. Number two, in my local church, I find a consistency of teaching and preaching that makes me a better disciple. And number three, and I'll close with this. In my local church, I experienced the benefits of united worship. A powerful celebration takes place when believers gather together and begin to praise and worship the Lord. Did you just sense it this morning? There was moments in the worship this morning that there was a 
sense of expectancy. There was moments in the worship this morning that you knew people had their attention focused on the Lord. The Bible instructs us over and over to make a priority of gathering for worship. The Bible tells us that. Look at Psalm 35, 18. Psalm 35, 18. Uh, David says this, I will give thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Psalm 111, verse 1. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Psalm, I'm a Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. I declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. So he's talking about gathering together and coming together in united worship. There is nothing that compares to the blessed privilege of coming together and worshiping the Lord. And something very supernatural takes place. Look with me at Psalm 22. Look at Psalm 22. Turn over to Psalm chapter 22. David gives us just a little glimpse of what happens in the spiritual realm when God's people gather together as a church family and begin to worship. David says this, yet talking to the Lord, he says, you are holy. And then he says, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying when we come together and worship, as we did this morning, focus our attention upon Him. Something happens in the spiritual realm that we need to know takes place, but we can't see it. It's that God comes and sits in the midst of those praises. I've been in worship services and seen people healed without anybody praying for them or laying a hand on them. I've seen demons come out of people in a worship service without anybody praying for them or laying a hand on them. I've seen the the confused and the depressed get totally free just in a worship service without anybody praying for them or laying a hand on them. Why? Because when we praise God, when we come together and praise God, listen, it's not a time just for the music. It's not a time just for the singing. It's a time where we are creating a seat for God to come and sit in. And when He comes and sits in our midst, His presence just emanates the atmosphere. Now, let me, let me, close. Let me close with this. Let me show you another feature of worship and praise you might not know about. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Turn over to John chapter 1. Hurry up. John chapter 1. John chapter... This is so exciting right here. John chapter 1, verse number 44. John chapter 1. Go back to the New Testament. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. That's on the other side of Woodbury. Philip found... Philip found Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46. Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of there? Nathaniel asked. I remember when a pastor told me when I first went to All Good in 1983, or told me, he didn't ask me, he told me. He said, 
God can't move in all good. You don't tell God what he can do and what he can't do. Okay. Now, Phil, uh, Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. So Nathanael and Philip are going to see Jesus. Before they even get to him, Jesus sees him come and he says, Nathanael, you're an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said, how did you know? How do you know about me? Jesus answered said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I knew where you were. I knew when you, where you were sitting. I knew what you were doing. I've had my eyes on you in the spirit realm for days. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, Verily, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. How many has read that verse before? You said, well, he said, he said Nathaniel, you're going, to see, you're going to see angels of God ascending and descending. But you know what? You read the rest of the New Testament, you, there's no examples of that. There's no examples of that. What's he talking about? Well, you have to go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the king, the, the, the nation of Israel had lived wickedly and rebelled against God. And they were in bondage. And they were crying for deliverance. And all of a sudden, one day, the wife of a man named Manoah, an angel appears to Manoah's wife and says, uh, you've been barren and without child, but you're going to get pregnant and he will be the deliverer of the nation of Israel. So she ran and told her husband, Manoah. And he said, well, I didn't see an angel. See, he didn't tell me. And she said, well, I can't help it. He told me. A few days later, she's out in the field. And the angel appears to her again. And she ran immediately to her husband. And said, that same angel came back and told me I was going to get pregnant. And our son would deliver the nation of Israel. And he said, well, I ain't seen it. She said, well, he's back here. Come see him. So Manoah follows her back, and there's the angel. And the angel said, and, and Manoah, the husband, said, did you tell her that she, we were going to have a child? And the angel said, yeah, I've come from God. And the Bible says that the angel started doing marvelous and miraculous things right in front of their eyes. And it's at that moment that Manoah said, My God, God has come. And the Bible says he went quickly and got a couple of animals and sacrificed them to the Lord. Now listen. 
He sacrificed them to the Lord right there in front of the angel. That sacrifice, that offering was worship. That's what they called worship. Let us worship and they'll go and present a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was worship to the Lord. And the Bible says in the book of Judges that when that sacrifice, that fire and smoke went up to the Lord, the angel stepped into it and ascended to heaven. Jesus told Nathaniel, you think it's supernatural? You think it's something? Because I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. Wait till you get in an atmosphere where people start worshiping me. And they, that worship is the stairway whereby the angels ascend and descend from heaven into earth. I'll, I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. John chapter 1, verse 44. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, explained Nathanael. Can any good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael explained, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. You see, it's not about the music, although I love music, I just love music. It's not about the song, although I love many of these wonderful songs. It's not about the musician, although I love our, we have some of the most talented musicians. It's not about the sound, although we work continually on having good sound. It's our united worship and our focus upon Jesus. And whether you've got a symphony orchestra or you're just singing it without any musical accompaniment, when we focus on Him as a corporate body, it's a stairway that gives access from the angels of heaven to come and work in our behalf. The writer, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, went on to say in the book of Hebrews, don't you know that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation? How can you and I get them working in our behalf? 
through worship. Stand with me, would you? I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do, I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you, there is none like you, there is none like you, there's none like you, there is none like you. One more time, there's none like you, there is none. Come on, let's lift our hands and just worship Him for a second. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We exalt You, Father. <laughs> we exalt You, Father. We exalt You, Father. Oh, we worship You, Lord. We worship. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. <laughs> oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. (laughs) I worship you, almighty God.